All right, let's go ahead and bow in prayer as we get ready for the message. In the Lord, we just thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for the chance to worship you in song. Lord, we ask you to be with us now as we worship you in, through the word and, and guide and lead us and teach us what you would have us to see from the word. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 2, reading in verse 7. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ, and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Okay, we're going to do one verse today. <laughs> I struggled a long time between how much to do, what to do, whether it's going to be one or two verses, and I think this one verse may be too short, but the two verses were going to be too long, so we're going to look at this. Paul continues as he's teaching to Timothy, and he's reestablishing his authority, and he does this a lot. Okay, he says, I am ordained a preacher. Ordained means that he is established. It was something that was going to happen. Now, I don't know how many of you really have looked at your life and say, God, what have you called me to do? God has got a calling for each one of you in your life. And the thing you need to find out is, what is he called you to do? You know, for Paul, he knew he was called to be an apostle and a, and a pastor. I've known for many years that I was called to be a pastor and a teacher. That is what I know I'm supposed to do. Each one of us has something God has called us to do. For some, it might just be a good employee <laughs> and sharing Christ by being a good employee. Some people it could be being the boss <laughs> and creating a business. Some people it could be just raising your family correctly. And that's a, that is a calling that has been lost in our world, especially for women to raise their family and treat their family well. You know, and I, I think it's something that is very sad because I grew up with my mom not home most of the time. My dad worked, and so I was one of those latchkey kids. Even in those days, I was, came home to an empty house frequently. You know, now, they were home by night, but you know, we weren't totally alone. But you know, it's really sad to say that being a mother or a father is not important. You know, you'll hear people say, well, oh, you don't work. Well, I don't know. My wife worked very hard when she was just at home with the kids. She worked very hard, and mothers work very hard. So what are you ordained to do? Find out what you're ordained to do. Find out what God has asked you to do, and do it with all of your heart. And Paul says he was ordained to be a preacher. What a job to be a preacher, to encourage people and teach them what the Word of God says. It is a, I take that job very seriously put a lot of study into each message. You know, but you know, we're told that those who teach have a greater uh, conviction from God. They have a greater responsibility for God. Why? Because if we teach somebody wrong, we affect the way they live. They will be affected greatly by the, by the teaching that we give them. If it's wrong, it will lead them wrong. Now, it doesn't give, relieve them of their responsibility to go study the word. <laughs> You know, we each have, and as I've told you, I really want everybody in this church to be good Bereans. Study the word. When I teach something, go in and look it up and find out what, you, what God tells you about it. Make sure you agree. Paul praised the Bereans. He says, you go study the scriptures to check out what I said. If Paul can say he wants them to be good at doing that, I want anybody to be good at doing that. Because I don't even think I'm in Paul's league. But then he says, I'm also called to be an apostle. Now, apostle really means one who is sent forth. In one sense, every Christian has a degree to where we are apostles. We are sent forth. 
Okay, now I'm not saying we're all apostles, but we are all sent forth to do something for God. You know, how many of us have shared the gospel, you know, don't raise your hands, you know, but shared the gospel in the last 24 hours, week, month, year. Hopefully it's not more than a month or so, but you know, we need to be sharing the gospel with people. Why? Because the alternative is if they don't hear the gospel and accept Jesus Christ, they're going to hell. Plain and simple. We need the gospel to be shared. Because Jesus is the only way to heaven. And we want to keep this in mind. And Paul says, I have been ordained as a preacher and an apostle. And so we want to be look at this. But the one thing I really want to speak, he says, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. Okay? And then he says, I'm a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity, which is a fancy word for truth. Okay? So I want to look at this idea of truth. What is truth? For many years, philosophers, generations, millennium, philosophers have tried to figure out what is truth. Matter of fact, remember when Jesus stood before Pilate, he says, I tell you the truth. And Pilate's answer is, yeah, what is truth? You know, who, who are you? What is, what is truth? And, you know, we want to be able to understand, as Christians, we have the word of God and truth. Jesus said he was truth. And we're going to look at some different scriptures as we go along here in, in uh, John chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness to him, saying, This was he whom I spoke. He comes after me and is preferred before me. He was before me, and his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Truth. We look at the word of God. It is true. In our day and age, we get told there is no absolute truth. I get so tired of hearing that in the, in the, at, my, at the prison where I work. You know, it's, there's nothing. Or, or you hear, that's your truth. As if there's multiple truths out there. You know, the definition of truth by philosophers is that which is true to reality. Okay? And, you know, the idea that this is your truth and not my truth doesn't hold water. Okay, if you went up here to Windy Point and stepped off the cliff saying, I don't believe in gravity, and you truly don't believe in gravity, I have news for you, you're going to be at the bottom of the cliff. Okay, you'll find your way to chloride really quick and you won't be enjoying it. <laughs> because gravity is true. Okay, even if you say, I don't believe in gravity, it's not true, gravity is true. You know, we look at these things, we look at what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that God created the heavens and earth in six days, and the world tells us that we've been around for trillions of years. Or the, or, or the world, the universe has been around for trillions of years. We've we, we only supposedly been around for a couple hundred thousand or something like that. But, you know, which one is true? Yeah. We look at this and say, God, you speak truth. You are true. And we say, God, I want to believe what you say. And I've said it so many times. If the word of God says it, it is true. If you don't believe it, ask God to help you learn to believe it. 
Because it doesn't matter when you stand before him and say, well, I just didn't believe your word, he's going to say, I don't care. There's a consequence for not believing his word. You know, this is so critical for us. You know, we've been talking a lot in the other Bible studies about the idea of how important creation is, is to the Bible. Without creation, every other ver part of the Bible is not valid. Why do we have sin and death? Because Adam and Eve sinned. If, if those verses aren't correct, that the God created them and that they sinned, then there's no sense for Jesus Christ to have come to die for us because there is no sin, death because of sin. Jesus came to die for our sin that Adam and Eve created in the very beginning when they disobeyed God. It's critical. You know, we've shared with you over and over, those first 11 chapters of Genesis are important. Many churches are writing them off as fairy tales and fiction. And they'll point to all kinds of lies from Satan about why they believe it's fairy tale and fiction. And if you really do some study, you realize that true science fits with what, what we're told in the scriptures. And it's very important. Are we going to believe in truth? Satan likes to give us lies. You know, what's the biggest lie he gives most people? Well, you know, you don't need Jesus to go to heaven. You know, you know, and there's all kinds of different fictions he'll give you. You know, oh, you know, God loves everybody. All people will go to heaven because God just loves you so much that he would never send anybody to hell. God says, no, I'm a righteous God and I will punish sin. They'll go, well, if you do more good than bad, you'll get to go to heaven. Well, just how much good do you have to do? Is one bad thing equal to one good thing or is there a difference in those? You know, we need to be careful about this. God says, all our righteousness is filthy rags. So everything good I can do, God just looks at it and says, oh, a bunch of filthy rags, what else do you have for me? You know, you know we've got to keep this in mind even as Christians. Sometimes we get wrapped up in this idea that, okay, I got saved by grace and now I've got to be good. I've got to be good. God wants us to be obedient to his rules. But it is not to get to heaven. It is not even to please God. It is God saying, I love you enough and I want to make your life better. And he comes into us and he changes us. And the greatest thing about Christianity is in 2 Corinthians 5, 5.17, he says, Behold, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. He makes us new. I don't have to sit there and struggle to be a good person because all I do is say, God, you crucified my flesh and you live through me. You live through me because I can't do it. I can't do anything. And this is the truth that God gives us. Jesus came to this world to live the perfect life, go to the cross, become sin on the cross, and die for us, taking our sin upon him. So that when he rose again from the dead, he says, I've given you this gift. All you have to do is accept it. You know, and we think about this, you know, when, when it's your birthday and people give you a gift and they hand, hand you a gift, is it yours and, to be, and you go, no, don't give it to me, I don't want it. Now, that would be very rude on one side, but it really isn't yours until you say thank you and take it into your hands. This is the way we are with Jesus Christ. He says, I've got a gift for you. The gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life. And you know, we've talked about this. Eternal life starts the moment you accept Jesus Christ. It doesn't start in the future. You become a Christian and you are saved eternally. You just step into, when your body dies, you just step into God's presence and say, oh, hi God, now I can see you. 
We've, we've had a great time. Now we get to see you. But the truth, Jesus is that truth. In John 8, starting at verse 28, And Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, you shall know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. He has sent me, he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. I do, for I do always those things which please him. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. And Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you will be my disciples indeed. And if you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free or shall set you free. Now, one of the things I see so often, I, I will counsel with somebody, I will give them biblical, godly advice, and you know the very first thing they do most of the time? Yes, but. You know, if you knew my situation, if you knew my circumstances, you know, if God really understood where I was at, he wouldn't try to make me do what he says. And I'm going, okay, you know, you can do what you want to do, but there is consequences for disobeying God. If you do the wrong thing, you are sinning, and there are always consequences for sin. If you obey God, there's consequences for, God, for obeying God. We like to call them rewards. <laughs> okay, we obey God, and there are good things that will generally happen to us when we obey God. The truth will set us free. God, what should I be doing in this situation? Look it up and say, God says such and such. You know, and believe me, I've seen it so many times. I'll talk to young people. I think I need to get married to this person who isn't a Christian. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you're a Christian, no, you're not supposed to do that. God says, don't be unequally yoked. But you don't understand. I really love them. I'll be able to change them. Okay, maybe, maybe you'll be one in a hundred, one in a thousand that actually get to have a blessing out of disobeying God. Not a bet I want to take. You know, I'm going to get divorced because I just can't handle this person any longer. God says he hates divorce. Do you have a biblical reason for divorce? Has there been adultery in your life? No. God says don't do it. Okay. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to be happy when I get divorced. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who have gotten divorced who aren't happy after they get divorced. 20, 30 years later, they still have the bitterness and the anxiousness and the, and the conviction that they did wrong in their divorce and realizing they should have done more to keep it together. If they had just done what God said, they would be okay. Now, that doesn't mean God's not going to forgive you for violating these things. God will forgive. He will co cover it. His blood has covered all sin. But the consequences sometimes are horrible. Horrible to have to go through these consequences and say, God, I made a mistake. And God says, yes, you did. I'm going to forgive it. But there's a consequence for it. Consequence will always be out there when we sin. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, then you should known the Father also. And from henceforth you will know him, for you have seen me. Jesus said he is the only way to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you tell somebody that, you're going to hear them say, but that's so narrow and bigoted. And I go, yes, it is. Now, I've told you all, the next, next thing to do when people start giving you a hard time about what the Bible says, agree with them. Jesus is the way, the one way, the one truth, and the one 
one path to heaven and he is the one truth and if people don't want to agree with it not my problem okay uh, I've shared this all the time with people and they go well that's so intolerant I'm going yes it is God is not looking to be tolerant with you he has a rule now am I going to be mean and nasty to them in the process no I'm going to love them I want them to come to Christ but they're going to have to come to Christ on his terms not their own terms you know and we see it so many times well I just think if I'm good enough I'll end up in heaven I go out you know when we taught the evangelism class and we went out you know but I told everybody that's exactly what you're going to hear and if you remember when you tell people about about the way of the gospel you're going to hear well I'm going to get to heaven I'm hope I'm good enough to go to heaven well I can tell you right now you're not you're not good enough no matter how good you think you are you're not good enough to go to heaven in your own strength it takes Jesus Christ he is the truth the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but by him and by knowing him you know the Father this is the great thing he comes in and dwells us and we get to know the Father you know, people go well how do you know you're saved They go because I'm in a great relationship with God he and I are friends I hope everybody in this room at least people have told me I hope he is your friend not just somebody you hope one day to be friendly with hope that he'll take care of you but did you know he is your friend he died for you he wants to be in a personal relationship with you he comes in and he crucifies our flesh and he says here's me live out my life and the longer you walk with him the more you become like him why because you've been baptized into him you know, we've talked about this the idea of baptism God puts us inside him and he baptizes us inside him and he endues us with his life and we've talked about this just as the cucumber or the vegetable going into vinegar does nothing to become a pickle okay you put that vegetable in the vinegar that, vi that vegetable does nothing it's not saying okay I gotta work out real hard to become a pickle it becomes a pickle because the vinegar indwells indues and fills it that's how we as Christians get a godly walk we are put in Christ we stay in Christ and he fills us it's an amazing process because I can do nothing without God nothing I can't do anything good I can't evangelize I can't teach without him if I'm doing it in my own flesh and my own strength he says it's worthless now that doesn't mean good things might not happen from it but God says what would have happened if you had walked in the flesh uh, in, excuse me in the spirit you know what would you have happened if you had walked in my spirit and we see great things and it's wonderful I don't know if you've had this experience when you start talking to somebody you start witnessing to them and God takes over and all of a sudden you're going wow this is quite interesting I I'm enjoying what I'm listening to you know, and you are actually listening to the Holy Spirit speaking through you using your voice wondering what's going on because he is doing the work and it's a wonderful experience to go through to see him be true but you know God has truth for us and Satan has lots of lies Satan has lots of lies we went over just a few of them for salvation you know God's gonna take everybody you know uh, just do more good Oh, don't worry you you get several lives you get several tries at it you're gonna be reincarnated that you know we, we hear that you know or we hear this don't worry about it because there's nothing after after you die you know they'll tell you we just become worm food 
you know, what a sad life they must have. You know, I'm going to live for 60, 80, 100 years and that's it? Nothing? The pointlessness of life. And again, if we don't believe that God created us with a purpose and a reason, it makes sense to say, well, I'm just a, just a evolved animal. I came from a bunch of chemicals and there's nothing, no purpose in life. And God says, no, I have a truth for you. Life is precious because we look and say God has created it. And we go, life is important. And Satan will have all these lies out for us. Very important for us, understand, learn truth. Understand God's truth. Get a viewpoint that is biblical. Have a biblical world point. When somebody asks you for guidance or counsel, give them what God says. You know, too many times we'll hear somebody going, you know, well, you know, my spouse is just mean and, and doesn't treat me well and I just don't love him anymore. And the first thing out of a lot of people's mouth is, well, get divorced. And you know what? It might, it might sound like the logical worldly view. You're not having a good time. Go do something that will make you feel good. But the one thing we want to realize is God never told us we were going to feel good in this lifetime. Because of sin... As I always told my kids, because of sin, life is not fair. Because they would go, well, it's not fair. And I go, whoever told you it would be. Man sinned. Life is not fair anymore. We live in a fallen world. And if we're expecting everything to be good and pleasant, when bad things happen, we're going to be very defeated. Jesus said they hated me. They will hate you. And they hated Jesus enough to put him on a cross. Now, I haven't been hated quite that much yet. And I don't think anybody in this room has been hated that much yet. But they hated Jesus and put him on a cross to die because of his words and truth that he spoke to them. What is your worldview? When you see things, how do you react? When you see something on television, how do you react? When you watch a movie, how do you react? Do you have a worldview from this, or do you have a biblical worldview looking at these things? What do you read? You know, and I'm not trying to criticize everybody, because I've got plenty of areas that I don't have a strong, strong point in myself at times. But you know, we need to be looking at this and saying, God, what value was this for you? What truth was there in this? You know, and I've shared with you with my second oldest son, he loves movies with a great passion. And he used to plan every Tuesday what movies he was going to buy. And I would sit down with him, and at the end of our movies, I'm going, okay, was there anything of value in this movie? Was there any truth of God in this movie? I knew I'd never be able to stop him from watching all kinds of movies, but I wanted him to think about the movies he watched. We need to be doing this. Everything we do, everything we say, is it godly? Is it matching truth? If it doesn't match truth, we need to change. We need to ask God, change who I am. You know, help me to not watch these movies or TV shows or read these books or whatever it might be that God's going to put on your heart to take out. Help guard my tongue so that when I give counsel, it is godly counsel to somebody. Because it is so easy to give the world's point of view. Because we are flesh. We, we, we agree with the world's point of view, if, if not for Jesus Christ. And when we sit down and we go, we gripe, we complain, we, 
we, we say the wrong things to people. You know, how many times do you find yourself griping about stuff? You know, God says we're to be content with what he's given us, and all we can do is find complaints about it. And complain and complain and complain. We feel miserable. And have you ever been around somebody who's been complaining for any length of time? You feel miserable? And it's not even your problem? And you start feeling miserable? God tells us we're to edify one another. We're to build one another up. And he tells us to build ourselves up in his word. And this is the truth. We want to look at truth. Truth is so important. And the last part about this is Paul said that I, I lie not. In Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and in their foolish heart it was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image made like unto a corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, And serve the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. How easy is it for us to change the truth into lie? Satan is the father of lies. He wants to help us with this, and he does a great job teaching lies. And you know, he is the master of lies because he puts enough truth in it to make it sound so legitimate. Well, you know, you really should just get rid of them. You know, you, do, you are feeling miserable. You haven't been in love with them for, for three, four days, so get rid of them. <laughs> you know, of course, usually that means months, you know, years. But, you know, how easy is it for us to fall into this? You know, we as human beings have this great sense of, God, what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me today, God? I know you did something yesterday. I know you did something for me an hour, but, God, what have you done for me now? We need to be very careful about that. God gave us life. How grateful are you to get up every morning? Now, many people in this room I know are grateful. <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, it's a wonderful thing just to get up and start a new day with God. You know, have you thought about how wonderful it is that we can have this book in our possession? Do you realize there are places in this world today where you cannot have a Bible in your possession? And if you do, you'll end up going to prison or worse. There are places that if you share the name of Christ with somebody, you'll go to prison or worse. Millions of Christians are dying every year in our world right now. And we in America are spoiled. We take our Bibles for granted. You know, here in America, most families have lots of Bibles in their house. I've got lots of Bibles in my house. I really only use one, but I've got lots of Bibles in my house. How many people don't spend any time reading their Bible? I've gone to visit some people back when I was a deacon. I'm going, well, let's see what the Bible says. You know, and they go, one moment, let me go find my Bible. And I'm going, wow, you, know, you don't know where your Bible's at. And then they pick it up, and they blow an inch of dust off of it, and, you know, We've got to be very careful. We are so blind to the blessings we have in this country. We have the blessing that we can meet in this room. Do you realize that in many places in this world you cannot meet together as Christians without facing death? 
We need to be prepared because there's coming a time when we won't be able to meet in this room like this. We won't be able to have our Bible out in the open the way we do. Whether we talk to somebody, we may, we may face death. It is coming. We can see it coming. It is promised that it's coming. There's going to become time, and we've been so blessed in America for, for 250 years, whatever it's been, that we've been able to share God's word freely. It's coming to an end. We need to get ready. Do not get to a place where you're willing to lie instead of tell the truth. And that means the only way we can know the truth is by getting in his word. Learn his word. Study his word. Be taught his word. I share with you guys all the time, if you're in my car, you're going to hear preaching. (laughs) Because I listen to the channels that preach. Why? I need to be fed as much as you all do. I need to be taught. I need to be instructed. And there's times where those guys will say something, oh, that's not true. And there's other times I go, wow, I've never thought about that. We need each other to share. The greatest blessing I'm looking forward to is the day when you all come into this church and you start telling everybody about what God showed you that week in the scriptures. You know, when you come in, you know, I was reading this chapter and this is what God showed me. I'm looking forward to the day when we have that much excitement about God's word coming in. Church I went to in Baltimore, you, you, we had Bible studies in the, in the middle of the grocery stores where two Christians, two or three Christians would come together and they'd just start sharing what God had showed them from the Bible. They'd have a birthday party and a Bible study would be there. You know, it was part of the, the lifestyle of that church. God's word was that important. Almost always, there was a larger church, there were lots of pastors, and a, pa- a pastor would almost always be invited to go to, the, go to the Bible, uh, go to the birthday party or anniversary or whatever. And if he wasn't, somebody else would do it because they shared what God showed them. Are we that excited about God's word? Do we get so excited that we go, hey, I just can't wait to tell you. Now, I've been that way all my life, but I've been a teacher and a pastor, so people go, well, of course you have. Well, you know, but you know, I want people to be that way. God can teach you. He should be showing you things. When you read these scriptures, when I give you this Bible reading thing for the year, it's not just to say a checklist, I read my Bible. The greatest thing I find when I read my Bible in the morning and I go through my day, whatever I read that day is exactly what I need to get through that day. It will be exactly the word I need to give to somebody who, who I encounter. It will be exactly what I need to get through a hard, hard period in my life. It's real. And then we come up and you know, oh, wow, look what this, you know, man, I had this great experience. I got to, I read this verse and it was just what this person needed to, to hear that day. And they, and they were able to get saved or change the course of their life. Do you get that excited about God's word and sharing him with other people? You know, it needs to be part of your life. I love it. There's about two people in this church who are always coming in sharing about all the th- people they've talked to when they were witnessing. You know, about, I gave this out, I gave this out, I, I talked to this many people, I talked to these people. You know, we need to get excited about those kind of things. We need to be excited when God shows us something in the Word and makes it living and live. His Word is living. This Word is alive. And it's so important. If we don't know Jesus, we need to make that decision. We need to understand he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And it's a simple gospel, and we've shown, t- showed you how easy is the gospel to give out. You can give it out in 30 seconds. 
We are sinners. We deserve hell. Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died and resurrected for us. You need to call upon his name to be saved. You can give the gospel in, in 30 seconds. Now, I hope you expand upon it when you're talking to people. Okay? But the gospel is really easy to give to somebody. It's not something to be afraid of. And as we've shared so many times, people are just going, well, what if they ask me something I don't know? And I've told you the answer to that is real simple. Thank you. You just asked me something. I don't know the answer to that. Can we get back together next, next Saturday or whatever, and I'll go find the answer, and I'll give it to you? Greatest thing going to happen to you. Now you get to tell them the gospel twice. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to start out with the next one, giving them the gospel, and then answering their question. And you know what? You might actually hope that they ask you another question that you don't know. Because then you get a chance to give them the gospel again. Take the very fear we have of sharing the gospel and use it as a great strength. We fear that they're going to ask us something we don't know. You know it's amazing to me, when somebody first becomes a Christian, they tell everybody about Jesus. They don't know anything about Jesus. Okay? I remember when I first got saved, I told everybody about Jesus. I barely knew anything about it. I go, I said a prayer. <laughs> you go, well, how'd you get to, how did, how did it happen? I go, oh, come to Sunday school with me. <laughs> Yeah. And I shared this. The first Sunday after I got saved, the, the Sunday school bus pulled up, and there was a whole pack of kids there. <laughs> all my friends, all, my, all the guys in that, in that little community, because I said, you had to come to Sunday school. <laughs> they came. Yeah. Then I started getting older. Then I started getting worried about, how do I answer these questions? And for a while, I stopped evangelizing as much as I should have. And you know it's natural for that to happen, but we've got to get over this and say, God, I want to learn to share you. I want to be able to share you. And remember, the gospel message is easy. Part of it should be what he's done for us. I love telling people, I got saved when I was 10 years old, and God changed me. You know, he gave me a love for his word. He took a temper away from me. He made me a new person overnight. That is the power of the gospel message. He will change who you are and give you the strength to walk in his righteousness. So we're going to close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, your care. Lord, if there's anybody listening on, on the Internet or even in this room that doesn't know you, Lord, we ask that they will decide today to turn to you, that they will recognize that they are a sinner headed for hell. And they will reach out and say, God, I want your gift of eternal life. You died for my sins. You paid the penalty. I want that gift. And Lord, if they do that, that they will go and share that with some other Christians that they know. Lord, we ask for everybody in this room that we will be on fire for your word, on fire for truth, that lies will come out and be so pushed against that it will not be even accepted. And Lord, we just thank you for all of this. We ask you to go with us as we go about our day and our week. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we worship more in song after this. In Jesus' name, amen.